This is Digital Health Today, episode 46. And this is to me the, the realization of digital health and antimicrobial prescribing is, is to take what we already know around optimal antimicrobial use and to put it into the fingertips of docs at the time that they need it. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by DocSF, the digital orthopedic conference bridging digital health and clinical orthopedics. DocSF will be held in San Francisco on Sunday, January 7th, 2018. Join world-class leaders in healthcare in this jam-packed meeting and enjoy a 30% discount. Just visit docsf.org and use discount code DHT30. That's docsf.org and use discount code DHT30. Welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 46. Today, we're going to talk about antimicrobial resistance. What is it? Why is it a problem? And most importantly, what can we do about it? Now, we hear about antibiotic resistance occasionally in the mainstream media. It pops up on the news now and then, people talk about it, and then things go back to the way they were. Patients still demand their antibiotics, hospitals and clinicians lack the solutions to have effective oversight to make changes, and the problem grows. Today, resistant bacteria causes about 50,000 deaths per year in Europe and the U.S. About half of those deaths occur in each region. To address this urgent problem, various bodies have put together standards and programs to improve the use of medications. For example, in the U.S., the Joint Commission has implemented an antimicrobial stewardship standard, which just came into effect on January 1st of this year. But no matter where you are, people and protocols alone can't fully address this problem. We need tools to collect and compare data and provide actionable information on the use of antimicrobials. Well, digital tools to the rescue, folks, and this one has been developed within one of the world's largest pharma companies. Illum Health Solutions was recently launched by Merck's Healthcare Services and Solutions Group. It is an enterprise-wide infectious disease management service which enables improved outcomes by delivering real-time information from across the health system. That information helps providers in their patient management decisions and supports program improvement. Here to talk to us about this massive problem is Dr. Brandon Palermo. He's the chief medical officer of Illum Health Solutions. Brandon received a doctor of medicine and a master in public health in health systems and policy, both from the University of Medicine and Dentistry in New Jersey, UMDNJ. He believes that a key issue is the lack of timely and actionable clinical information at the point of care, and he tells us how technology can help. As always, please check out the show notes for this episode. Just visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 46. There you'll also find a video of Dr. Palermo doing a talk in Philadelphia about this very problem. While you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and join our digital health community. And if you have a minute, you know I love your reviews. Please jump over to iTunes and give us a review over there. It's a great way to support the show and grow our digital health community. You can also find links to let me know what you think or just message me on Twitter at HealthTechDan or drop me an email on dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. Okay, now on to the conversation with Dr. Brandon Palermo. Dr. Palermo, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. And thank you for having me. Dr. Palermo, I've given the listeners a little bit of background and told them a little bit about what you're doing now, but can you crystallize a little bit of your experience and what's brought you to Illum Solutions and what you're working on now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my background is an infectious diseases physician. I trained and worked in Philadelphia for a bunch of years before coming to Merck. 
grew up in a little town on the South Jersey shore called Ocean City and have been living in the Philadelphia area ever since. And what grabbed your interest about infectious disease? Infectious disease is uh, it's an area, it's a specialty that isn't confined or bounded by a single organ system. So you have to consider the whole body. And that suited me when I was in my medical training because there was a lot of things I liked. But also from the micro to the macro, understanding that little, little organisms that you can't see and all the complexities and nuances of those to the macro, the fact that they can you know, have the potential to bring down world economies. So there, there's, for me, it was, there's a lot in there. And at my core, I'm, I'm a you know, public health in my heart and soul. And you know, that marries very well with infectious diseases. Obviously, people are listening to this podcast. It's called Digital Health Today. And I know when, when your colleague got in touch with me and expressed an interest in having you come on the program, some of the listeners might be asking the same question that I asked, which is, well, what does infectious disease have to do with digital health and vice versa? Absolutely. So before we go into some of the things that you can share with us about why digital has a role in antimicrobial resistance, can you first share a little bit about the, the problem and what the scale of the problem really is? Yeah, the scale is huge, but I think there's not enough public attention to it. So if you don't have an antibiotic that works, all the innovation around, say, cancer therapy or organ transplant, or even a simple cut that then could evolve into sepsis that you can't treat. If you don't have antibiotics, you know, you, you obviously can imagine, you know, where we would go. And the idea of a post-antibiotic era is very real right now. If you look at the statistics right now in the U.S., 23,000 people die a year in the United States as a, as a direct result of these infections that you can't treat. And that's uh, the equivalent of a Boeing 747 crashing every week. That analogy I, I, I've heard several times, and it seems to get people's attention. But, you know, there's another 25,000 people a year that are dying in Europe because of resistant infections. And there's millions of people that are getting infections that you can't use one or more types of antibiotics. And the WHO just put out a report yesterday that, that said that essentially the world is running out of antibiotics. And so if you start with that as you know, the starting point and accept that you know, antimicrobials are, are a precious resource, it's a shared resource, that, that without them, all these advances we've talked about are, will be for naught, that you, you have to say, well, how did we get here? And then how can we fix the problem? And how we got here, one of the biggest issues has been the systematic overuse and misuse of antibiotics and the extreme amount of variability that occurs with prescribing. And that and there's statistics that CDC will put out and others just that will say anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of anybody who goes to a hospital is going to get an antibiotic. And often the antibiotic is pre prescribed incorrectly for a variety of reasons. I'd actually say that, that people go in with the expectation that they're going to get them, right? And, and people are disappointed and then they, and they complain and say, my doctor wouldn't give me any. And now with ranking systems and Yelp and all sorts of things, there's additional pressure, I think, to have people have the patient emerge with something tangible from that encounter. Correct. And, and you put your finger on one of the major issues around prescribing is the patient request and how a an office visit, if you, you know, take off to bring your child into the physician's office and you walk out without a prescription, it says you will say to yourself, well, why did I go in in the first place? When in fact, that prescription has the potential to be more damaging than if you would have done nothing because if you had a viral infection, antibiotics don't treat viruses. So you're right. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of education that has to happen. And there's, there, there's a paradigm shift that people need to understand that an antibiotic is not going to be their cure-all, that that's not the answer. It's the answer when you have a bacterial infection that it can treat. But 
often it's a virus that does not warrant antimicrobials. So I would say it's education and it's awareness raising around the scope of this problem that because we are just giving out antibiotics all the time, and it's not just, you know, it's not just physician practices, it's in dental offices, it's, it's, it's in urgent care centers, that until there's awareness around how that is contributing to the problem of resistance, we're going to keep going through this. That example that you gave of a 747 going down every week, I've heard that sort of example given before at other medical talks. And if that were to happen, literally, if a 747 were to go down in the middle of this conversation, we would all be stunned and we would wonder what the cause of that. If it were to happen again next week and the week after that and the week after that, it wouldn't take too many weeks before we put a stop to all 747s flying and we did a massive overhaul of you know analyzing everyone in the fleet and every pilot and every airport and understanding what's going on. And we don't seem to give that same sort of attention by any stretch to the magnitude of this problem. You just quoted some huge numbers just between the U.S. and Europe about what the impact is now, this year, last year, what's coming. And it just doesn't even seem fathomable that such a key part of our healthcare arsenal, antibiotics, that we're actually running out of them. I mean, how is that even possible? Is that because the business model's messed up? Is that because the science isn't progressing anymore? Is that because people, the the drug companies don't have an incentive to to develop them anymore? It's all of the above. So drug innovation continues, but with a, a much smaller group of companies that are embarking on that. But the root cause is the the systematic overuse and misuse that we have some very good antibiotics available to us, but the way we are prescribing them inappropriately and with high degree of variability is is really the, the piece that has to be addressed. And again, you're quite right around the attention that that needs to be given to this. And I'd, I'd say the attention is there now that you have national governments and international bodies that are that are addressing this that are raising awareness around this that are incentivizing this through some policy prescriptions that there is a, a lot more attention now and i think we just need to we need to keep doing more so explain to me what you're doing now you're now the cmo of Illum health solutions explain to me what correct what that company is and how it fits into the parent company yeah, so Illum Health Solutions um, was a company that incubated within Merck. I just say Merck is committed to antimicrobial stewardship. It's obviously, a, you know, is a drug innovator in, around antibiotics. But the question arose is, is there more that we can do for antimicrobial stewardship, which for the audience is basically how to improve and optimize the use of antimicrobials? Is there more that we can do leveraging IT, digital health, to better impact this issue and focus and improve patient outcomes. And so what Illum does is it's a platform and a service that is focused on improving infectious diseases management. And there's a lot of different pieces to it and tools that are a part of it. But at the outset, the vision is really how do we engage everybody in the hospital around improving antibiotics? Because the way a lot of these stewardship programs are set up today is it's often a couple people or less that are charged with trying to, to support the appropriate use of antimicrobials. And as I said before, 30 to 50% of everybody in a hospital is gonna be on an antibiotic. You are in a 500 bed hospital, that's 250 antibiotics that you have to keep your eye on. That's a lot of work for a small team of people to do. And so this is, the question is, how can you use technology to improve that and really move the needle on where we need to go? 
Well, I think you've just drawn it together then about why we're speaking now. So tell me, how is it that digital health can help hospitals get the upper hand against antimicrobial resistance? There's a bunch of different ways. I mean, number one, you need to understand where the problem areas are in your hospital. So, you know, by using, by getting the data feeds of a hospital, you know, their microbiology feeds and some of, you know, their laboratory feeds and, and others, you can begin to assess the magnitude of the problem and begin to help the hospital use interventions to, to address it. So, you know, again, with Illum Health Solutions, the first thing we do with hospitals is, is ask for these data feeds, we get their guidelines, and then we, we provide insights on, on areas of, of, of where certain notification should be and, and other types of reporting that will support their quality goals. So these are data feeds that already exist within a hospital? Yes. Yep. They already Structured exist. They, they, okay. Already they, exist. They, they're already present, and you're just taking them and you're, you're bringing them together and running some analytics on them? Do you have some sort of AI that, that you've developed that, that assesses these? No AI, I, I, there are, but there are analytics that we do. And we, we, we understand what are the common problems are. We have a good team of subject matter experts that also work with the data. And we obviously work closely with the, the clinical team uh, at the hospital level. So the first thing is, is you need to assess the magnitude of the problem. Yep. And to do that, you take the data feeds and that gives you some sort of benchmark about yeah. how hospitals are doing. And what's this, what sort of outcome do you get from that analysis? You've probably heard this, every hospital is a snowflake. So, I mean, I mean every hospital has different problems and, and some more are further along with their understanding. Others are just starting programs um, de novo and so often don't know what they don't know. And, and so this kind of insight that we can get from the data is really helpful. I mean, because right now to generate the kinds of reports that are needed to provide that insight takes massive amounts of their time, are often manual, and there's just not, again, enough resources at the hospital level dedicated to this. One of the main goals here with us is just to automate a lot of this, to take time out of the system, to improve efficiency for the team so they can focus on the piece that matters, which is the patient care part. And I imagine if, if a hospital were to do that independently, that it's just going to give them a snapshot. Whereas I imagine Correct. that you're looking at a solution that's going to track the progress or the condition over time. Yes, and that's important. I mean, every area that's identified, you know, that maybe is a quality goal for the hospital, then there are interventions that are tied to it. And every intervention has um, specific tracking and reporting that's automated as a piece of it. So, you know, every day, every week, every month, you can see how are you doing with regards to that goal you can drill down to understanding what parts of the hospital are maybe lagging, what prescribers are perhaps outliers, because we know that um, when prescribers are compared to each other around antibiotic use, that that is a you know significant motivator around change management. Um, so trying to again give as much um, information and and data to the teams that you know, to make the difference. And then once you have that output. What do you do with it and who has access to it and what do they, what do they then do with it? Yeah, so again, it, it's, it's used for a variety of things. So it, it number one, informs the types of notifications that, that we want to turn on or perhaps there's ones that are running in silent mode that we just want to collect more information. And, you know, it also, it could be as simple as it's, it's, it's letting us know that perhaps certain elements of the guideline could be changed or maybe there's an educational intervention that, that needs to happen in a specific unit or with a specific group of, of providers. 
that information is used in a variety of ways. But, you know, from a digital health standpoint, it's really it then decides what the digital interventions are going to be and turned on. I'm not sure I understand that. So how do you mean digital interventions? From the software piece itself, it's it has a lot of possible uses. And there are examples that maybe we want to just focus on all patients who have a what we would call a drug bug mismatch. So they're, they are on an antibiotic, but they have a culture result growing a bacteria that that antibiotic is not susceptible to. Well, how do you quickly get the result that there is a mismatch, meaning that patient is not covered right now? And how do you get a result to a person to make a change in the antibiotic? And you need technology to link that. You need the, the front end knowledge to know that there's a mismatch and you need a way of getting it to the person to make the change. There's a million examples of this that we see. I mean, there's hospitals that are using rapid diagnostics, which are great. They get you a result much faster than a traditional culture. But if you don't act on that result, it's not rapid. So, you know, again, using technology to get the results with an interpretation so that you can get an action or an operational response faster is, is where we need to go. We'll dive back into our conversation in just a moment, but first I wanted to tell you about an exciting upcoming event that is dedicated to catalyzing the adoption of digital health technology and clinical orthopedics. It's the only one of its kind, and it's a great one. DocSF is the digital orthopedic conference and is supported in part by the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. DocSF will be held just before the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in the beautiful city of San Francisco on Sunday, January 7th, 2018. This year's focus for the innovation competitions will be artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and augmented reality. The keynote dives into the future of sensors and clothing, and the various talks by world-renowned speakers will cover robotics, automation, and cybersecurity. There are also special sessions on leadership, policy, and design thinking, developed with content partners such as IDEO and BTS. Now, you might be asking, why is this conference exclusively around digital orthopedics? Well, implementing digital technologies in an integrated vertical like orthopedics is more likely to affect change than targeting the entire healthcare sector at once. This conference isn't just talking about change. It's focused on moving the ball forward by targeting the key leaders in healthcare who are positioned to make change happen. This conference attracts top professionals from the medical device industry, investors, entrepreneurs, and payers. In short, it brings together all the people who get stuff done in healthcare. Hashtag GSD. Head out to San Francisco for this conference and meet many of the guests that have been on this program, including Dr. Daniel Kraft, Nick Adkins, Professor Shafi Ahmed, Dr. Justin Barad, Jamie Edwards, and of course, the founder and chair of DocSF, Professor Stefano Bini. And as a listener of this program, you can enjoy a 30% discount. Visit docsf.org and use discount code DHT30. Tell them you heard about it here. Again, that's docsf.org and use discount code DHT30 or simply follow the link from the show notes of this podcast. Now let's jump back to the conversation. Explain how this information is used by the hospital stewardship team and actually explain to me what a stewardship team is. Yeah, so hospitals are setting up, in fact, they're mandated now by joint commission to receive accreditation that every hospital have a, has a stewardship team. And CDC has, has been pushing for this for years. A stewardship team is is usually composed of of an infectious disease trained pharmacist, um, an infectious disease trained physician, and some others 
the the composition of the team will vary hospital to hospital depending the resource um, allocation but ultimately this team is charged with monitoring antibiotic utilization in the hospital and they'll target certain antibiotics that 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 need to be controlled they'll monitor the resistance patterns that are going on and make guideline changes based on that so it's it's really the group that's focused on helping the hospital make better antibiotic choices and how new is that in terms of uh, how recently has it been required? Just this year, Joint Commission is now, it's part of, a, it, it's now a Joint Commission standard for accreditation. It's been required in certain states like California for many years. CMS is, considers it important. CDC has been talking about it, as I said, for, for a long time. We know that stewardship programs make a difference around improving the resistance rates seen in a hospital, decreasing side effects of antibiotics like C. diff infection and other adverse events that can happen to patients that are getting incorrect antibiotics. The understanding of, and the need, it, it's there. And now there's more regulation and policy that's being put in place to, to essentially mandate that every hospital have a program in place. And do the stewardship teams exist in other parts of the world? I'm not familiar with that term, but uh, you might be familiar with it. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there are. So it, it really depends on on the country and the region. But, you know, that stewardship is popping up in different places. Um, again, it's 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 going to vary. You know, again, it's it's also back to well, what is the team is more than just the people. I mean, there's there's um, plenty of push that says you need technology to help with automation, to help with tracking and reporting, to report in US, to report your antibiotic utilization rates to the CDC, to report your antibiotic resistance rates to the CDC so the CDC can start benchmarking, um, so we can start get, to get a sense of, of what is the right amount of use and, and how do we target areas that, that are, are outliers. So again, a lot of data is needed to do this right. And additionally, you know, looking at clinical decision support, like how do we help clinicians who are making that initial antibiotic decision make a better one from the beginning? Because often what started, the first antibiotic that started is often continued in the hospital for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, diagnostic and therapeutic inertia often that you, you start continued on an antibiotic that you got started on, you're getting better, so let's just finish it, even though maybe a, a more narrow spectrum one, a more targeted antibiotic might be the better choice. So how do you help, how do you help that doctor that's in the busy ER, has a lot of things going on, and make a choice that, that requires you to understand you know, that the patient had a, a resistant bacteria from a culture six months ago, but that information's buried in the EMR somewhere, and, and it's not being highlighted to you in any way. How do you then understand that, well, this patient also was in the hospital you know, for a couple other reasons, or they received several courses of antibiotics? All of those factors will impact you know, your risk of some kind of resistant bug. And, and if you can highlight that through technology, which is what we do with Illum, is we able to highlight that information at the point that you're making that prescription, it, it improves your, your ability to get that right from the beginning. And again, this is to me the, the, the realization of digital health and antimicrobial prescribing is, is to take what we already know around optimal antimicrobial use and to put it into the fingertips of docs at the time that they need it. 
there's so much information that's buried inside the electronic medical record and still, you know, legacy systems. And I, I just can't imagine the responsibility that people have to be able to consume all of that. And if your system's helping to pull those things out, that historical information out and highlight it and help drive uh, behavior change and, and, and different decisions, that really seems like a, a great solution. Because, I mean, people who are making these decisions, these these clinicians, these these doctors, they're not doing it because they're they're not smart people. They just might not have access to the right information that's helping them to make the decisions, right? Right. Or it's a time issue. I mean, it's to sort through microbiology data and get a sense. I mean, that's what we, you know, infectious disease physicians, that's that's what we do. It's, you know, we, we spend the time to go through it. But if you can automate that in a way and highlight it all for Again, that busy ER physician or that busy hospitalist who, who the infection is just one of the many things they need to do with that particular patient. Again, it's just helping them do what they want to do and need to do, but making it easier for them. And, and again, right, highlighting, highlighting those important data pieces in the EMR because the EMR isn't doing it. And then what's in it for the hospital? I mean, obviously, they need to be compliant. They need to be uh, established best practices and uh, do no harm and all those sorts of things. But you're talking right. about them now investing in an additional system and your right. solution right. so, uh, system. What's in right. it for them? Yeah. I mean, so... You know, again, I'm a, I'm a physician first. So number one is better patient outcomes, you know, less less adverse events. So you start there that it's better for the patients. So it should be better for the hospital. But you know, the reality is, you know, we have to also talk about costs, as you say, and whether you look at statistics from the CDC or from numerous studies, antimicrobial stewardship programs they reduce cost, period. And 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 there's different ways that they do it. It could be that, you know, outcome improvement, it could be decreased length of stay, there's a decreased drug utilization. There's a lot of different ways of doing it, but, you know, there are, are, are plenty of examples, again, from the CDC or from studies all over the place that document the value of having a stewardship program. And in fact, how that value and the potential cost savings are maximized by using a tech-enabled solution. So what's the big takeaway that you have for listeners then today? What, what should hospitals and clinicians and, and practitioners who are listening, what should they be thinking about and, and what should they do to learn more about establishing these sorts of programs and finding tech-enabled solutions to help them with their antimicrobial stewardship programs? Yeah. If you're a patient, you should always ask why you're getting an antibiotic and always question it. I mean, that's the, the number one area around awareness that has to be there. From a hospital standpoint, it should be a requirement and not just optional that every hospital is using a, a tech-enabled solution to help make empiric prescribing or initial prescribing choices better for clinicians. And again, I go back, if you're a patient, you should be asking if your hospital has something other than an EMR that's that's helping with this because the, the EMRs are, are suboptimal and you really need a, a solution that's that's dedicated to this space, which is highly complicated to ensure that you're focused correctly. Well, actually, let's talk about that patient perspective, though, because, I mean, anybody who's listening, no matter what your profession is, you're at some point you're a patient. So what can the patient do? I, I expressed earlier in the conversation that, that you know, we have expectations as a, as a parent, as a patient. Right. We go in and we see someone, there's almost like an expectation of give me a pill that I can go away and help make me feel better. But ultimately, if I'm presenting with a virus, an antibiotic isn't going to do me any good. So what sort of resources are being deployed at the clinician space or even uh, what sort of expectations can, have a, can a patient have 
uh, on their own to determine whether what they actually have is you know something that can be treated with antibiotics or is uh, a virus in nature. Yeah, I mean, so resources deployed to the clinician level have just, there have been many campaigns and they continue, again, starting with CDC and and a lot of their initiatives to improve education and awareness around this and to provide different resources that you can give to patients to talk through these types of things. You know, if you get an antibiotic, ask the question, do you think I have a bacterial infection? Yes or no? Because if, if, if you say, I'm not sure, or you say no, then, you know, let's discuss, then why is there an antibiotic being prescribed? Again, patients needing to understand that an antibiotic is not a force field. It's not, you know, this, this all healing panacea that's going to make things better, that it actually has side effects. And that's another thing we don't hear enough about are the side effects that you can get from some antibiotics or the, again, the C. diff infection that you can get as a result of, of bacterial overgrowth, as a result of antibiotics. There's just other things that, that people need to understand. Um, so resources-wise, it's just more education, and I, and I think it's just it's, it's the more informed patient in, in this case is going to help drive a lot of the change. Wow, and I think we're all need to be a part of it in terms of the patient expectations, uh, the stewardship programs that are developing across the country and hopefully around the world, and then yep. you know, developing these sorts of tech solutions that will help to guide better uh, information delivery so that people can make better decisions, and uh, I think that's all, all part of it. Dr. Palermo, let me ask you, there, there are six questions that I like to ask every guest. First of all, uh, what is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? My go-to, and it's because uh, it's sitting in my kitchen and I, for my family and my kids to read all the time, it's, uh, there are no limits, there are only plateaus, but you must not stay there, you must go beyond them. Bruce Lee said that many years ago, and uh, I've always liked it because it's the idea that, that we should all be constantly working to you know, really become a better version of ourselves. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? I would say try to limit the buzzwords, the buzz speak. Don't get um, intoxicated with all the blue sky vision. I, what, I, what I've seen is there's just a lot of people saying a lot of things around how uh, you know, healthcare is going to be innovated with digital solutions. But really, show me the evidence. You know, show me that you're actually implementing the innovation and, and, and learn from it. So ask, ask the right questions. And, and again, don't get intoxicated by, the, by all the buzz. What's a book that you recommend to listeners? One of my favorite, and maybe this is the, I, the infectious disease geek in me, but the, it's a book called The Demon in the Freezer by Richard Preston, which was a nonfiction thriller that really describes how we eradicated smallpox from nature. You know, it's just sitting in a couple test tubes right now. And we did that by marshalling a lot of resources with governments coming together, smart people are coming together. And this is, I like this because I think it's relevant to what we talked about. And, and this is the kind of action that we need for around antimicrobial resistance. That is the first time anyone has suggested that book. So <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> it's a, a great, first. <laughs> it's a great read. It goes fast. It reads like a fiction. It's so good. What's the best piece of tech that makes your life better and easier? Yeah, I think it's the simple things. It, it's tech that I would say improves uh, human interaction. So for me, it's FaceTime with my wife and my kids. I mean, when, when you're, we're all on the road a lot and being able to have that, that face-to-face virtual conversation, it still doesn't beat the, you know, the live, but it's, it's pretty close and, and make, makes it all better for us. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology, how would you invest it? 
Five million. Um, I would say if we're if I'm thinking about digital health and where we need more investment, I think we need to evolve our natural language processing and its ability to understand the the free text. I think there's there's only so much we can get from structured data feeds. And there's so much rich information in the narrative text that, you know, particularly doctors are, are putting or even nursing notes. And so if we can really harness that in a way that is scalable, I think that we're going to have much more improved uh, digital health solutions in the future. And last thing is we make a contribution to a charity in appreciation of your time on the show. What charity have you selected? And can you tell me a little bit about what they do? September is Sepsis Awareness Month. So I think the Sepsis Alliance is probably the one I'd I'd go with because their whole focus is on raising awareness around sepsis. I mean, sepsis, the most important thing with sepsis is recognizing that someone has sepsis. And the second most important thing is making sure they get the right antibiotic in a timely way. And Sepsis Alliance does a lot around education and awareness, so I would go with them. That's sepsis.org. Okay, great. We'll make a donation to them in your name. I appreciate you nominating them. It is a really big problem. I know I've lost several people that I know and they're close to me uh, through sepsis, and, and I think recognizing those symptoms are very important. How can people keep in touch and find out more about what you do and perhaps follow you on social media? What's a, what's a good way to find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, and we also, Alum Health Solutions, the, the website is online. So I say, you know, all of the above, reach out. We'd love to talk more. What's your Twitter handle? It's Brandon uh, underscore Palermo. Excellent. Well, I'll have a link to your LinkedIn and your Twitter handles and, of course, to your website, uh, to Alum Solutions. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners before I let you go? Yeah, I really appreciate the conversation. I mean, I think, you know, we're all working hard to, to try to save antibiotics and save lives and, and, and digital health, I think, is really the way to do it. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you getting the word out. There you have it. That's Dr. Brandon Palermo of Illum Health Solutions. Learn more about this problem and what can be done about it and get links to all the things we discussed by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 46. Many thanks to Patty Kyler of Ritz Communications for her help in organizing that conversation with Dr. Palermo and also a very special thanks to our partner on this podcast, DocSF. Stefano Bini has organized a great day of talks with the leaders in digital and in orthopedics. Be sure to check it out at docsf.org and grab your 30% discount with the code DHT30. More great guests in store as we truck along to the 50th episode. And wow, just a really great year in store as we build up momentum heading into 2018. Hard to believe. Let me know what you'd like to hear next and get in touch to see how you can contribute and benefit from being a partner in our community. Message me at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. That's all from me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating.